Blog Talk Radio. Chatting with Sherry is presented by the writers and illustrators of the future. They've been providing a means for new and budding writers to have a chance for their creative efforts to be seen and acknowledged. Welcome to Chatting with Sherry. Today I'm welcoming back a good friend to the show, a very talented actor and director and producer. His name is Tom Conkle. He has done several things. He's award-winning for his show, Troubles My Business. He has a um, new movie that's going to be coming out. We talk about this. We talk about what's going on in our life. We talk about all kinds of stuff. Um, This is a recorded show. It was recorded last month. Please enjoy. Here's Tom. Hi, Tom. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me, Sherry. It's been a while. Pleasure to be back here. (laughs) Well, uh, it's funny. It's been such a weird year that when you say it's been a while, I'm like, no, wait, it's March. No, wait, it's not March. (laughs) I know. It's now June. Yeah. I know. I had had the busiest year of my life this year, and none of it, well, no, one thing came to pass, but that was in January. But everything else went poof. Yeah, I think uh, life in general went poof. It's taught us a lot about uh, stillness, and and it's interesting that the world's kind of been reclaimed by by animals, and I see more wildlife at night. I can actually hear, you know, crickets where I live, which you don't normally hear, and it's it's been very strange. It's been a giant reset button, it feels like. I actually think, in a way, it's good for the animals because everybody's locked down. Well, people are now starting in different countries to come out. But mm-hmm. but everybody's been in lockdown, so it's kind of been good for the animals mm-hmm. because none of these weird humans are pestering them. That's right. And it, and the, even the noise pollution is different. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. They said something interesting. They said that the the... Not like the earthquakes or something, but the movement on Earth went down. The yeah. actual movement on the planet went down, yeah, went down. during the, <laughs> the height of the lockdown to the point where it was almost completely peaceful. Other than, you know, other than yeah. normal hu- uh, Earth movements like earthquakes and stuff like that, but uh, but and storms. But taking those things out, they said it's been really peaceful. <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, the, it's funny how the air and the water and everything, even Venice started resetting, and uh, the air quality in China, which has always been very bad you know, in the last uh, few decades, you know, because of no manufacturing and because of no human movement, really, the way it, it started to actually improve very mm-hmm. quickly. It tells you something, doesn't it? That we can yep. actually get our ecology back on track if we work like we should as an entire planet to try to make the planet a better place. Yeah, and, and it also means that we need to find balance. There's an old movie called Koyaanistatsi. I don't know if you've ever seen Koyaanistatsi, but it's all time-lapse, and it shows life out of balance you know, with all the movements of traffic or people in an area or manufacturing and and all this, and and it really uh, drives it home when we were forced to stop a lot of the things that we had. You began to see that that balance was so far off 
you know, but it's funny how resilient the earth is that it could bounce back in a few months. Yeah. You start seeing, you know, canals looking clear. They could see the bottom of the canal in Venice and, you know, just, just things that you wouldn't conceive as, as being able to reset. The earth is a very resilient uh, organism. Yep. I mean, and it's interesting that people don't realize that, that, yes, it does take us all stopping and as they say, smelling the roses, um, <laughs> to realize the planet is a wonderful, special organism that we are yes. not the manipulators and the overlords of. We are supposed to be the gardeners. We're supposed to be helping it flourish. Yes, the caretakers. Yeah. Very true. Very true. So that, that's been eye-opening, and as an artist, at first there was blind panic because, you know, you realize that one of the first things that kind of goes is funding or priority of the arts when you're in survival mode, but as an artist you have to survive, and it does give you that uh, tinker time, that time, like I've been writing three, four different scripts, there's one I'm writing with a guy named Jude Prest, it's a comedy script. Uh, I've been polishing two other scripts that I've been developing with Mike Smith, Luminactus. And so, you know, I would not have had that time. Now, you know, conversely, you have to discipline yourself because it's also very distracting to, uh, you know, sometimes be in isolation this way and, and you have to discipline yourself to try and, you know, I'm going to create from, you know, 11 o'clock to 2, that's, you know, sacred time. And you have to find time to do that and do some self-care and that kind of thing. Uh, but it's been an interesting experiment. I've never, this is the weirdest year I've ever had in my life. I've been through a lot of stuff personally and a lot of stuff professionally. And there are a lot of changes, good and bad, that, you know, I'm having to still process and deal with. But, um, yeah, I never thought we'd have a year like this. So it's been weird for me as an artist to find out who I am now versus who I was even in February. It's true, and it's interesting because human reaction is really a trip because we had the Australian wildfires in January, February, and March. They, fi they finally got under control in March just before the yeah. pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. Then we have a pandemic, which we still are going through. That's right. And then we had the reactionary uh, of, which was totally understandable, of the yeah. Black Lives Matter movement, which is something that sh we, you know, you, you would think after all these hundreds of years, this would not be an issue, but then you would think women's rights wouldn't be an issue, and... Uh, religion wouldn't be an issue, and they're still an issue. So it's still an issue, yeah. So all this is coming to the forefront, and it's like maybe because people have had time to think that people are act. The difference for the Black Lives Movement to the Civil Rights Movement in the '60s, and I was a baby, I was not there. Um, <laughs> I was, <laughs> uh, I was like six when Dr. King made his famous speech in Washington. So, really 
I don't I don't know anything. I did I know it from history. I was I didn't see it right. on TV. Of course. But um, but the thing is, is that then it, there were other people there. There uh, there was some white people and there were some people that were Asian and and stuff. But now it's not it's not just a few. It's everybody getting together. No matter where you are in the world, everybody says stop all this crap. That's the yeah. difference. Yeah, it reached a critical mass, and uh, and it needed to happen. You know, the unfortunate byproduct sometimes is the looting and the and the damage and and stuff that some people saw it as an opportunity to do, and that's unfortunate because you know one of the reasons uh, we had the curfews and stuff is that. Uh, you had a very valid protest, but also underneath it was riding some people who were just opportunistic That's and it. destroying these businesses that, frankly, were struggling because of COVID, and then they get burned down or destroyed. And it's like that—that that doesn't advance the cause. No, I think I think worldwide consciousness of we need to all be, you know, treated equally, and we all need to have equal opportunities is such an obvious thing, but it, it's a disparity. You know, everywhere that you need to correct. Uh, hopefully, eventually, we won't uh, identify simply by race, but by what we do and who we are, and that's that's the eventual goal. I think. I think it's been. I mean, I even had kidney stones during this for like a week. Oh my you God, that's painful. Yeah, I mean, it's, been, it's been that kind of year where you know things have been breaking and things have been. Uh, you know, been people have been sick. And, uh, you know, everyone's stressed. Everyone yeah, everyone's is worried stressed. about money. Everyone's tense. Everyone is feeling restricted. So I think it's like a, a boiling point for a lot of things. And people are uh, raw, you know. And, and I think that also helped people, go, you know, go, this, enough of this. And, and, and they're fed up, you know, in general. And so, uh, you know, it's... Again, as, as somebody who makes their living doing the arts or, or being sensitive to that as an artist, you, you you kind of grab of your time. You're like, well, I guess this is this is the time that I'm going to be in. And how do you you know turn it into art? What do you have to say about it? How can you make it better? You know, someone like me, the, the kind of entertainment I tend to make is more escapist. So mm -hmm. how do I help people forget about their tensions and the fact that they're worried every day about getting food or will they have a job or um, you know are they going to get sick or you know there's enough dreariness in their day that you know my my type of entertainment tends to be more escapist or mythological where it's like how do you marry a, an exciting story to something that teaches you a little bit about life or at least you walk out and go I saw myself in that or I understand things a little bit better if I've done my job or sometimes you just want to make people laugh you know something that that grew out of this whole thing that I never would have done is a really creative guy I met as an actor years ago in the 90s and we were always like we should do a radio show and eventually Curtis Bedford and I decided to do mindstream players and that grew out of I had never heard of Zoom 
like Zoom, I did not know what it was. I okay. hadn't until this happened either. All of a sudden, Zoom yeah. burst onto the scene. Zoom must be, I don't know how they make any money on Zoom, but they must be loving it, or their servers must be burning up. Um, but he's like, hey, why don't we uh, do finally do our radio show? We have a captive audience of the entire world, <laughs> you know, on Facebook and all these different places. And we thought, you know what would be fun is everything old is new again, taking old scripts, you know, like we did Flash Gordon or we did the very first Orson Welles, uh, the Shadow episode that ever did. Uh-huh. And uh, from, I think, 1938. And, and we got some of our extremely talented friends who were kind enough to lend their performing abilities. And we show you in a Zoom call, you'll have seven, eight people with live music, you know, Brian Arata playing the soundtrack live on his keyboard with Curtis doing sound effects and playing a character and each person live on camera, you can watch them perform. It's, it's a way of feeling like you're seeing the act of creating a radio show, which is all in your mind, but at the same time, you can choose who you want to watch. You can see the actor perform, you can see uh, funny moments that happen in their expressions when they're waiting to perform. Um, it became the mindstream players, and every couple of weeks we'll do a new half-hour radio show. Like the next thing we want to do is like yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Uh, we want to do um, maybe you know some more shadow, maybe some original stuff. But it's a way to keep that muscle exercised to act, but also the immediacy of it. And that would never have happened if all this stuff with the pandemic and the, you know, all the stuff that happened caused that to come into being and who knows where it will lead, but so many people have commented, they're like, oh, that was so much fun to watch and just see what you guys do and create and we just love doing it. That would not have happened this year. You know, we, we wouldn't be doing it because everyone would be busy, no one would be home. You know, the running joke now is like, are you free to do... Uh, it's like, of course I'm free. Yes, everyone's free. So I think I think that was kind of a fun ancillary thing to happen. As much as I miss shooting, you know, I would have been... I would have been probably in Australia a couple of months ago working on Island in the Stars and making a movie. So it was really hard for me to let that go and know that it fell apart and I'm not meant to, to make a movie this year. And so it distracted me from that by having another creative outlet because, I mean, you know me by now, Sherry, I love to act, mm-hmm. I love to write and create and, and directing is my, my you know passion. So any chance to do something creative, even if I'm locked in my home office, you find a way. You know, I've been doing this thing called Baxter Smalls. He's a time traveling documentary filmmaker and uh, I did a, a fake Zoom class where we made fun of him teaching at a university with all the people watching on the thing, you know, and uh, him trying to talk about visiting ancient Egypt or doing these different things and it gave me a way to do a character that I would have had to shoot on location but we figured out a way, you know, a format to make Baxter Smalls work and you know, you have to check out Baxter. He's a, he's one of my favorite old characters. I, I've been doing him for more than ten years. Yeah, I want I'd love to check that. Especially, I want to see the Egypt one. That sounds really fun. Yes, it's a lot of fun. It's like you, fun. you found my one of my soft spots, ancient Egypt. <laughs> 
ancient Egypt. Yeah, well, he. what's great about him is he can comment, again, on humans and patterns and have we really learned anything from history. And no. most importantly, <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's the runny joke. You know, I've, I've learned from my mistakes and I can repeat them exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no, humans so, yeah. don't learn from history, sadly. I always hope they do, but they don't. That's very true. So I've been having fun doing Baxter Smalls and doing the Mindstream Players and writing and begging for money for the next films that I want to make <laughs> by uh, talking to, to different people. You know, I have a call today about it and uh, just trying to hopefully by next year get back to doing what I love. But right now I'm just not able to do that. It must be strange because... All the people who do the financing go by their corporate, and they go by buttons that this is this, and this is this, and they put everybody in little tiny circles, and that's how they figure out what to finance. Right. But this year, all their little buttons kind of went, because <coughs> none of them yeah, actually yeah. are working, so it's like they can't really do their corporate ticks and talks that they normally do, so I'm really wondering... How are they deciding to finance? <laughs> yes, well, or they're not even at work. They're all working from home, and most of them aren't working full-time. So the, the people that I would normally take a meeting with or the people that I would normally uh, go to to say, hey, would you be interested in financing this or distributing this or doing it, they're not in their office. They're home with their kids, and if you can catch them on a week that they're not out, you know, going doing something in the backyard, uh, you might get a decision, but most of them have to say, look, honestly, uh, I can't make a decision. I'm not in the office, and there's not a way that I can, um, you know, I'm not going to be able to get you the money. There, There isn't the money. We don't know if we have the money, or, you know, most projects are on hold. They, you know, companies are cutting back, so there's going to be a huge retraction of things that were yeses have become noes. And you have to kind of roll with it and go, well, you know, I had it, and now I don't. And I lost a lot of financing for a couple movies this year. You know, if you think about it too much, it'll drive you crazy. Yeah. Because, you know, it's like you lose millions of dollars, and you don't know if you'll ever get it back, or they don't know if they'll ever get it back because they lost it in the Depression. No, well, I also feel sorry for the people whose movies came out this year. Yes. Or didn't come out. Yeah, I know both ways. There was one, one guy I was just reading about. He had a launch with uh, a pretty good distributor. It came out March 12th, and by March 13th, uh, it came out in Germany, and by March 13th, all theater attendance was banned. So he had worked for years of his life to make this film. He finally got distribution. It was out for one day. The posters were up, and it's gone. You know, now we're looking at July, now it's an old film, and it had only one day in the theater. Now that's just heartbreaking. It is weird, because um, a, a person I really like was coming out in two movies, and I was booked for um, a theater to in L.A. I was willing to drive to L.A. and back just to see it. Mm -hmm. And the theater I had booked, I think it was the Egyptian. If I remember uh -huh. right, they they were one of the first to close. Yes. And then the, then further down, you know, like a couple of weeks 
There were more theaters. Boop, boop, boop. Yep, boop. just gone. Yeah. And it was like, it's oh my god, this is so sad. I mean, it came out yeah. streaming like everything else. Right, but it's not the same. It's not, yeah. and it just, it's so sad and so unfair. Yeah. Well, that's the, the heartbreaking thing is either you've lost financing that you worked years to get and the companies genuinely don't have discretionary money anymore or people that used to be fairly well off aren't but also um, if you've worked so hard and it was about to come out and it's something that's supposed to be experienced as a group. I mean, think about it, the, even musicians, the Hollywood Bowl closed for the first time in, was it 91 years? 91 years. You know? They even were yeah. open during World War II. That's right. <laughs> but those musicians make their living playing, mm -hmm. you know, playing instruments, playing in orchestras, playing their music. You would never, if you'd ask them in December, hey, you know, you won't be playing at all in 2020. They'd be like, what? <laughs> you know? So so that happened so fast, but it, it decimated uh, anything that's that's predicated on live assembly or live uh, uh, performance because there isn't any. You know, you, you can't do it. And even and, places and like hotels that I love, like the Del Coronado, which has been around mm -hmm. for 100 years, yeah. also had a close. So even some places yeah. that you you might want to just escape to, just just to go and I like to go there just to wander their grounds because it's really beautiful. Can't right. close Baboa Park. Yeah. Close. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> yeah. Done. Yeah, it's just done. Uh, and that that has been hard to process. You know, where you're, you're supposed to do something. Like you wake up in the morning and you're like, I'm supposed to go perform. You know, it's like I couldn't go do a uh, uh, a show at the Santa Monica Playhouse. I I can't. You know, there's not going to be. I don't do a live show. I'm not. I'm not going to be performing. And so it's it's really um, it's really a wake up call as to how fragile what we do is and how interconnected it is that one you pull it one or two threads and the whole thing does unravel you know look at the supply chains for even food mm -hmm. you know who, who thought we'd be treating toilet paper, paper. gold yeah but the reason we are is because there are a myriad of steps that you have to go through to get that toilet paper on the shelf and when when one thing as we were talking about balance if one thing goes out of balance demand you know everyone goes wow you know i might be locked up i need my toilet paper well all of it disappears and then manufacturing shuts down then transportation shuts down the people that package it ship it and put it and stock it all that goes down all of a sudden you don't have any toilet paper you know and it's and it's that fragile with the arts it's like okay tom creates a movie tom finds money you know over a year I get ready to shoot it, I'm not allowed to be in the same room with the crew and cast. You know, what What do you do with that? It's like, I cannot physically act with someone. It's like, I couldn't, I couldn't do the scenes that are in, uh, you know, trouble is my business right now. You know, can you imagine like trying, you know, love scenes or fights or where you're in close quarters or whatever, that just wouldn't happen right now. It, it will happen later. You know, I want I want the world to come back. Me too. I, I to be able to, to <laughs> yeah, to be able to do those things. But right now, you can't, and you realize, well, that was fragile. You know, it, it, in, in a, you know, you take it for granted. It's just I'm going to go to the grocery store at ten o'clock at night. Well, there was 
of two months ago, I couldn't go to the grocery store at 10 o'clock at night. It was closed. That's right. You know, and, and when we had, a, we had a curfew, actually on my birthday, we had the first curfew in my city ever at like 5 o'clock, and the 24-hour pharmacy was closed. If you had needed medicine or you needed something like that, you can't get it because of the looting or the, you know, the stuff they closed a 24-hour place. So you begin to realize how lucky you are. And also how much we need to learn to cooperate with each other, that we're all yeah. in this together. It doesn't matter who you are or where in the world you are or what you're doing. We're connected. And yeah. it's it's a wake-up call. It really is. Yeah. It's a horrible really wake-up call, but it's a wake-up call. Yeah, it's a wake-up call nonetheless, but, but it's... Uh for some of us, we didn't need this wake-up call, we knew, uh, but for others, it's great to know, and I hope that's the takeaway from a lot of people. You know, the last thing I want to do is see a slew of pandemic-depressing uh, movies and oh, stories yeah. and stuff That's all we need after we year. come out of it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what I'd rather see is that people learned their lesson and moved on and create all kinds of different new things, create better art, create better statues, create better everything. That's the way to improve uh, the world, and I think I think that could be a great lesson. But the other lesson is, like you say, we're interdependent. It's very fragile. This can all go away. We we had it really good in a lot of ways. You know, we could we could twenty four seven get what we need, buy what we need, go where we want, do what we want, and now, um, now you can't. Can't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just can't. Um, yeah. But it's interesting. Um, I was watching something they were talking about um, because of uh, the anti-racism movement, which I'm absolutely all for. They're talking about taking down statues all over. And they were yeah. talking about, well, people seem to think statues are permanent. They've never been permanent. If you look back yeah. at ancient Rome, ancient Egypt... One leader would take down the statue of another leader, or they would move the markings on a relief that says this is one person and put another person's cartouche yeah. over it. Um, That's right. Just because That's it's been, there doesn't mean it was there that way at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's been revisionist history is written by the victor, as mm -hmm. they say in uh, Rome. And it certainly uh, is happening again. Um, and that, again, I go back to balance. We must learn from history. We cannot erase it because it's who we are. But by the same token, it is not permanent. It's constantly changing. It's constantly being rewritten. You know, it's never the same river that we step in the next, the next time. Yep. You know, we're different. The world's different. Um, nothing lasts forever. And nothing ever stays the same. Yeah. Even yeah. us. I don't just mean our heads and what's up here, but our bodies are constantly changing. Uh, yes. We're not the we're same person every, every seven years. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Every seven years, uh, yeah, our, our uh, cells completely have been shed and are completely regenerated. We are a different person. Mm hmm which is kind of amazing if you think about it. Well, that's the thing. People don't step back and see, like we were talking about at the beginning, how amazing this planet is, 
how well Mother Nature takes care of herself and us. And if we yes. understood that, that everything everything is connected, we are part of the planet, the planet is part of us, It's and that's not hoodoo, woodoo, hippy-dippy, that's just fact. <laughs> Oh, it's fact. It's it's ecosystems. It's science. Let's let's you know down down to the brass tacks. It's the balance of science. Mm -hmm. And one thing that uh, one thing that we have to understand that, that that there's all these very intricate down to a molecular level interactions that have to happen, and we are part of that process. Mm -hmm. And part of the action reaction right now is. You know what we choose to do with what has happened to us this year will define us. Yep. You know it'll define a generation. You know those kids that didn't get to graduate, didn't get to say goodbye to their friends before they went to college, they will be changed the rest of their lives That's by right. just not. They didn't have a homecoming. They didn't get to play sports. They, they didn't, didn't go to prom. Stuff. They didn't. You yeah, know normal stuff. Stuff you take for granted, it went away, and we have to see how resilient we are. You, you always hear the stories of people, I remember the Depression in the 1930s. Yes, but that shaped a generation. That's right. You know, fighting in World War II created a generation of men that had not existed before. And, and I think now, in a very uh, important way for, for kids' mental health and for what it is, is how they deal with this, how resilient they are in their schooling and not being able to see their friends at school, you know, in fall, more than likely, they're not going to return to normal, which is unfortunate because they're not going to be able to interact with their friends at lunch. And, you know, how do you do a chemistry class from home on a Zoom, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you buy the beakers and hold them up in front of the camera for each is, other. Is this right? <laughs> Yeah, and and then and and also having a teacher there and present is a much more commanding thing than just being mailed a PDF of some some work you do and then you upload an email. That's not the same experience of learning, but also it's very isolating. Like kids are already isolated because they're each you know looking at their phones and playing Pokemon when they're supposed to be talking to each other at a table. They don't even look up. They don't learn how to read each other's body language, how to get the subtleties of, of social interaction because these machines are in the way. And what have we done? Now we've isolated them and made the machines the only way they can talk to each other. They can't even go to each other's house and visit. What's that going to do to that generation? Also, exploring. I mean, summer for a kid is exploring, even if it's just exploring your neighborhood. That's, you go on vacation with your parents, or yeah. you're exploring where you live, or you're you're climbing trees, or you're swimming in uh, at the um, the community pool, or whatever, playing baseball, yeah. going to a football game, all that yeah. stuff, and it's not happening. <laughs> it's not happening at all for an entire year. I remember when we thought six weeks was like six weeks we're going to be locked. That's going to be crazy. And it's like okay, now we're over a hundred days. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and that, I don't know what it's going to do to that generation. You know, there's a lot of great kids that you don't want to mess up. Yeah. Uh, and I, I hope that they don't get messed up and isolated and, and you know, for their, we're social beings. So uh, as a child, you're supposed to be out playing with your friends. Exactly. You're supposed to be riding your bikes and stuff. And, and so what has happened, we don't know what the ramifications are going to be.
I mean, uh, I know some. They can probably still it. ride their bike. I just mean they can't like do their normal stuff. They can't go to baseball, play baseball with each other, or, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, they can't because my son tried to organize something, and most of the mothers said they weren't comfortable with their kid riding their bike with him. So he didn't get to. Okay. Well, it just sucks. Yeah. I mean that's <laughs> that's that's you know that's the reality. I'm living it. You know. And the other thing that I know from some of my friends is, um, they're great parents. They love their children, but they're terrible teachers. Yeah. The homeschooling. It's they, not. Yeah. yeah. They, they love their children. They love being with their children. They don't mind this time with their children, but they don't even understand the subject they have to be teaching them. Yes, and and teachers spend a lot of time in prep, hundreds of hours prepping uh, their, their class. It's right. not the same as just saying, here's a history book and let's just read it. It's like you have to come up with a methodology of how you're going to teach them, and parents need to be making money and taking care of the house and doing other things as well. Teaching is a, a full-time thing during the day, so just making the onus on homeschooling, that's a commitment you have to make without distraction, and you have to prepare for it. So you can't just say, well, you take care of it. You know, you, we'll just do it at home. It's like, well, you, you, it's not just handing them a textbook and then going, do you, you, know, do you know everything in here? You know, and, and that will also damage a, a child's experience of learning because it, it isn't thought out. And the thing is that before this happened, the people who homeschooled, that was a big deal. They had to get qualified. There wasn't, yes. It wasn't you just, could. oh, I'm going to homeschool my child. They had to go through a qualification process. They had to go through their own learning process before they could start teaching their child. Now, just because of the pandemic, everybody's doing it. Yes. Yeah, and, and, and you know, children aren't learning the same things and you know no one really knows what they're doing yet even the school system hasn't figured it out because you know last this this past few months some kids didn't see their teacher again you know they only just got assignments via zoom or whatever and they never saw them you know you might see your teacher once a week you know or they they didn't have the experience of working in a lab and working together to solve problems or you know can you imagine band and choir and all these things like all that's gone you know, and and so uh, it'll be interesting what it does to that generation. I mean, their kids are resilient, but only up to a point. We're social creatures. You you can't isolate a hormonal teenager. No. You know, and and then go, hey, you know, deal with it. It's going to come out in weird ways. They're going to get depressed. They're going to get angry. They're going to there's going to be all kinds of issues that are going to come out of this that we're just not equipped to deal with. I have friends going through that. <laughs> The hormonal yeah. teenager thing. They're just like, what am I gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a real thing. They're supposed to be out with their friends and doing stuff and learning how to interact and and cooperative things and cooperative learning and and they are hormonal. They're supposed to be around, you know, each yeah, other. Yeah, the or the whatever, yeah, so, you know, whatever kind of relationship yeah. that they have. That, it, that's it's supposed start to start now. Yeah, <laughs> you're su you're supposed to. Yeah, I mean, we're living in a time right now where you can't have your first kiss. Yeah, isn't that sad? Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it if you think so about sad. it, that's absolutely true. Like, how would you? You, you can't. 
I know. Crazy. Yeah, I mean, even once we are, we can start meeting in places. I think they're slowly doing that. Like we can do restaurants and stuff. Right. But it's only family parties and stuff like that. Exactly. And I was like, teenagers, uh, teenagers I, making out on the street is not going to happen anytime soon. No. Yeah. And it's sort of, yeah. it's like, or in a car or wherever. Yeah. Um. Or <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just not going to happen. Because they also, and it's because most of them love their family and they wouldn't want to bring such a horrible thing onto their family. And if they did that and they got it, they'd be bringing it to their their parents and their, and their siblings and they wouldn't want to do it. Um, so it, but they miss out. They, they miss don't out get the fun. Primal <laughs> it's the, well, it's a primal experience. You've got to learn how to interact either with the opposite sex or with the, with your friend group or all of those things. Or you know that's how stories and memories are formed. You don't form a memory sitting at your desk talking to someone uh, while you're playing a video game. No. You know, that you, that, that's not the same experience as, hey, remember that time we went down to the shop and we got candy and then we did, ran into so-and-so and then we did this and then we did that or then we played ball or we did this or any normal story right now isn't happening. You know, they're, they're not doing that and what they're doing is sitting in their room, group chatting, playing Minecraft. Yeah. You know, and that is that any way to live? I, I kind months? of am hoping, I don't know, okay, I have a weird mind, but I was alone a lot because I moved a lot, and one of the things that did do is make me very creative, so maybe I'll make them creative? <laughs> uh, only if they have the creative resources, you know? It depends, a creative person will probably be creative, but other kids will, will wither and not thrive in that environment because to be creative, there has to be input. There has to be something going in. They have to have something to tell stories about or to write about or do. And, and some can be in their imagination and sit and draw and do whatever, um, but other kids will not thrive in that environment. They'll, they'll wither. Yeah, that's true. And I also had friends, even though I was always the new kid. Even uh, I mean, I still had friends. I still could go to someone's house, which is missing now. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I it's it's given me a lot of time to think about that, especially as somebody who writes stories. You know, you take it for granted as you know you'll write a sentence. It's like, and then they walked out into this and saw so and so, and I'm like, oh wait. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, they who can't walk out? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they didn't walk out and meet all these people or do this, but you want to keep those stories going. I find myself, when I will look at an old movie or something like that, I'll long in a way that I never thought I would long for just the simple uh, interaction. Or you see a party scene, or you see people jumping in a pool, or you see, you know, a scene in a, in a movie where there's a group of people and they're hugging or they're touching and it's just normal and they don't have masks on and... All this kind of thing, and you're like, I never thought I'd look longingly, you know, at a Frank Capra movie and go, huh, yeah. I wonder if we'll ever be able to do that again. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's so a, strange. It really is. I mean, yeah. I've, I've been having that same thing. It's like, I will, it, it, it's not even seeing a movie. It's like, I'd go on Facebook and see a picture of me at a party, and I would like, get really kind of melancholy because of <laughs> Yes. Hey, well, it's a natural reaction. We're, we're social creatures. And 
that you know for me um, you just you have to we have to get back to that we can't live in fear for the rest of our lives no. we have to get back to it and we have to find a way to um, normalize uh, socialization and normalize our lives again because we can't live in this this is the most unnatural state we're not supposed to be uh, isolated we're not supposed to be fearful of, of other people or interacting we're not supposed to live this way yeah. and so um, you know that tension is going to come out and we need to diffuse it uh, just the act of going to a movie is good for you like people used to go to the movies to feel good get out, mm-hmm. bond, you know, spend some time with somebody you like, or at least go to a movie and then be able to talk about it with your friends or enjoy it or just get out of the house. Yes. Right now, you can't do that. Yes. You know, and, and so it's it's weird to think, you know, here in 2020, it's like, oh, I feel like going to, oh, never mind. <laughs> but, um, actually, like, someone asked me that question on one of my interviews. They said, what's the first thing you're going to do when this is all over? I said, go to a movie. <laughs> yeah, it would be nice, wouldn't it? I, I haven't been in the movies in so long. I had wanted to see Tenet when it was coming out. I know they've pushed it back now to August, but I really, it's just an original idea. It looked really exciting and interesting, and I was like, you know what? It would be nice to just tell a couple friends, hey, would you like to go to the movies? And we go, and we watch it and experience it together, yep. and just get out of the house and do it. And and. You know, you kind of mentally go, okay, it's just two more weeks away, you know. Now they've moved to two more weeks. <laughs> I like, know. It, it, it'll be such a big deal to do it. You'll feel like somehow you got out of prison, you know, and you're allowed to do it. And it's such a strange feeling to just, it's something in my whole life you kind of took for granted. You're like, oh, somebody asked me to go to the movies, maybe I'll go. And now you're like, can yes. I please go do something? <laughs> <laughs> or, or uh, another thing I really want to do is I want to go to play. I want to go to a live theater, or I want to go to yeah. a concert. Or you know, there's a lot of things that you know I did, but periodically. Now I want to do all of them right now. <laughs> yeah, I know. And just that experience of live theater and seeing it created, the act of creation right in front of you, and enjoying it, but also seeing the actors being able to interact with each other without fear, you know, without barriers, without the artifice of, of things, masks and, you know, spraying things down. It's like we just used to do that. You know, we did it for hundreds, if not thousands of years, and right now we can't. It's, it's such a strange time. It is. And I'm really hoping that they get the um, antivirus, the, um, the shot, or the pill, mm-hmm. or whatever the hell it is. Yeah, uh, vaccine. Yeah, whatever the yeah. whatever it is, get it done. Get it out here. Get it. I'll experiment. I'm old. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, any sort of vaccine that can create um, a chance that we can get back to more normal is just it's going to make a huge difference. I don't know how far off it is. And something like this kind of virus, I know, is evolving. Like we never, flu shots never worked for me. I even yeah. stopped doing uh, flu shots. I, I don't even get a flu shot. I haven't for 10, 15 years because the flu shot they give you is never for the one that makes it cycle around the earth and ends up, and you end up getting the flu. And you're like, great, I'm glad I got a flu shot. Now I have the flu. It's oh, I always got sick. Bit. I I I stopped yeah. too because I always got sick from the shot. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, your body's reacting, and uh, and that's that's for me. You know, they're 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 guessing. You know, they're guessing which uh, which flu you're going to get, and they're frequently wrong. You know, but I, I, if if there is a vaccine that allows us to get back to the old life we had, I, I would love for that to happen. I don't know if it will. I hope it happens. Um, I'm just going to yeah, try to be too. positive and say it is going to happen. I just hope it happens soon. <laughs> well, I, I hope it does, too. I have a movie coming out called Noise in the Middle. That's what and, I was uh, just going to ask you about, because we are oh. running out of time. Why don't you tell about your movie and when it's coming out and how everybody can see it? It's a lot of fun. Uh, it's coming out with uh, a company called Terror Films. It's a thriller. Uh, we shot it up in uh, Spokane, actually. And I shot it with Marcus McCullum, a guy that I did a bunch of commercials. I did I did a couple that are really funny, one called Raisin Brahms, where I play Brahms, and I break through a, a, a wall. And <laughs> it's an insane thing for the arts, raising money for the <laughs> arts. Well, he and I decided to make uh, uh, some more projects together, and one that he put together was shot up there. He's like, I want you to play one of the lead parts. And I was like, I'd love to. So I went up and, and shot it. Um, a while ago, and uh, play this guy named Albert, who runs a, a psychic bookstore. Uh, I get to do a lot of uh, fun little grace notes to my character. He's a very kind of uh, eccentric but earthy character, and I loved playing him. But, um, you know, the birthing process of getting it out has been quite slow. We, we were lucky enough to hook up with this guy named Joe Dane, who has uh, terror films, and they're really good about promoting and getting films out, streaming and, and theatrical and whatever they can do. And so uh, they saw the trailer and thought it was great. The trailer you can watch at noiseinthemiddle.com is the, the official website of the, of the um, film. Um, just noiseinthemiddle.com, noise in the middle being one sort of long word. Uh, you can see the cast and the trailer and about it. Um, it's going to drop, hopefully, here in uh, uh, November, uh, maybe December. You know, again, <laughs> all great plans have been set aside because we don't know when things are going to happen or pass uh, through all the little gates they need to pass through. Uh, things are slower because people aren't there to do it. You know, it's funny, if you wanted to put a movie up on Amazon, they're working on a limited... Uh, Staff. So even if I had a movie on Amazon Prime, it could take double the time because there's maybe one person watching all the movies and handling things where there used to be ten. You know, so so everything is much slower. What is um, the um, what is the service that it's going to be on? Or uh, it's it's going to be on most services. I know it's going to be on uh, Shudder, which is a, uh, a horror thriller specific uh, distribution. Uh, it's an actual company called Shudder. Um, they do, you know, you can get it on your cable. You can order it on cable that way through there. So if you're on, you know, regular uh, video on demand, uh, subscription on demand, 2B TV, uh, all the usual suspects will have it uh, overseas. You'll be able to watch it on all the different platforms there, Vudu, Fandango Now, all, all the um, places that you're comfortable watching it, it will be available. Cool. And uh, I know you've been a guest on our show several times, but for the newbies, mm -hmm. can you give your website and your uh, social media? Absolutely. Um, you can reach me on Twitter at, at Tom Conkle. I was able to snag that one. Um, mm -hmm. 
you can catch me on uh, Facebook. Uh, easily see uh, Trouble Is My Business was my latest film. There's a Trouble Is My Business Facebook as well. Um, you can uh, check out some of my material uh, at troubleismy.biz, B-I-Z, so troubleismy.biz, and uh, check out what I'm up uh, up to. And, um, you know, shoot me a... Uh, Shoot me a, a, a tweet or a comment and let me know that you watched it and what you thought uh, about some of my work. I have a, a lot of projects out, and I'd lo I love hearing from people. Great. Um, thank you for your time. I know you have meetings coming up, so I wanted to thank you for taking the time to chat with me. Absolutely, Sherry. It's always a pleasure being on your show. Thank you, and thank you for chatting with Sherry. <laughs>